You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast, the Jaws franchise. Welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Its purpose is to look into the horror films, dissecting them one screen legend and franchise at a time. Our podcast subject for this episode is the legendary Jaws franchise. In order to successfully do this though, we need to form a team of horror aficionados who will form the surgical team each episode. So let me introduce you. First up, yours truly, Paul Farrell. I'm the lead surgeon and host for this series of the podcast. And joining me in each episode at the Operating Theatre is a select team of horror aficionados who are hand-selected to perform the surgical task of dissecting each movie. Joining me this time is uh, Chief Surgical Technician Ben Skinner, who will literally get into the guts of the subject um, and uh, really kind of dissect the uh, the, uh, subject at hand. Um, And alongside us is uh, some new blood in the form of Nick Alford. Hello. Welcome aboard, Nick. Thank you, Um, And he's on hand with some surgical tools and know-how to offer throughout the procedure. So that's the team. Without further ado, let's dissect our uh, our movie discussions. As we said, the Jaws franchise, and it's the, um, we're going to start with talking about the movie that started it all, Jaws, um, which was brought to our screens back in 1975 and has been sending waves throughout the industry ever since. Do you, you like do. that? You like that? Way. We can spend a bit more time on this one, clearly. But before we begin, it's probably important to uh, to address. Um, I don't think. Any of us were born at the time, am I right, Nick? No, 1980. 1980 for you, and you're 1986 86, yeah. and um, 1978. So, so, um, so we're realizing all... how young Ben is, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just realizing I'm in the room with two bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally outnumbered. That's it. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look, yeah. So look, obviously, I think that the reason why I wanted to address that is I think that lends weight to how significant this movie is in the in the sense that by the time we were probably experiencing those kind of movies um you know that it we it was already kind of embedded in the in the psyche of of both horror and film and uh, blockbuster legend um by the time we you know we're out of nappies and aware of what these things were that that's the thing for horror movies with me as a kid was it was always something you weren't allowed to watch Right, and, and that's like you're saying working out our ages and things. That's a real, real good point because, you know, I don't watch as much horror as I did when I was younger. Yeah, because then it was sort of like it was it was dangerous and naughty and really scary and you know. Yeah, and then that, that that's a big deal for me with Jaws. Definitely was just um, it was scary. Yeah, you know, and that's why I remember used to my mate's older brother had all the scary movies, so I'd always you know borrow them off him and try mm. and watch them in the middle of, you know first thing in the morning before anyone woke up that's exactly right and we've we've tapped on that a bit before and I think Miles is an exceptional rule where he was just allowed free reign of horror movies <laughs> yeah. when yeah. Uh, well, yeah yeah that's but, but it's true it's important to address that because that gives our, our listeners an idea of where you've come into the horror scene and, and experiencing it um you know, from when you were a kid. But the age um, thing's interesting because I specifically remember not being allowed to watch this. Like, I, it was all my cousins. We were, they were all older than me. Yeah. They were all off watching Everyone's it. older than you, Ben. Watching it somewhere <laughs> else in the house and I had to, like, hang out with my uncle. And the whole time I just complained and complained. I'm just like, why can't I see it? It's like, do you know what mature audiences means? I'm like, no. You can't <laughs> see it. You can't see an M-rated film until you know what mature audience means. <laughs> mature, man. I don't know. 
Before yeah, just, Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah before Honestly. Google. So yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't, didn't just let me just go watch it with everyone else, because I just annoyed the shit out of him. It's interesting, like, isn't it? Because when you do look back at this movie, it can easily slip into kind of uh, family entertainment viewing, yeah. um, obviously with parental guidance strongly attached to that. Yeah. Um, uh, because I guess because now we're so used to um, seeing more extreme versions Love of horror, more. yeah, yeah. Um, particularly the latter films they, in the franchise, they kind of do kind of slip more into you it's, know this yeah, so unbelievable. It that, is quite tame by comparison yeah. to that stuff, but yeah. it took on this mythical quality for me because yeah. it was just like when I'm old enough, I'm gonna see Jaws. <laughs> like, that was like you know the pinnacle of, and you're still waiting you now. Know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For Please let me birthday. watch it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Just always asking for permission when I don't need to. That's it. <laughs> okay, so look, let's. Uh, I've broken up the film into three sections. The first section, Act One, is called the setup. Um, so there's a bit of background, um, you know, to it too, and then we'll get into the early parts of, of what happens in the film. Um, it took um, nine million dollars to make this movie, but it generated over four hundred and seventy million, and so with it, the summer blockbuster was born. It kind of gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. The movie pioneered the way movies would be made and distributed from this moment forth. Um, so I, my question, I guess, is what were those key ingredients for its success? How did it become such a, such a great piece of film, um, you know, and how, how it was injected into the film history? Um, one, one thing that I don't remember as a kid, but I've seen it from previous documentaries and things, is mm. the merchandising. It was like yeah. the first time they'd really seen it on a T-shirt and they took... The initial, I remember Steven Spielberg saying he took a, the initial sketch of the shark and he wanted that on a t-shirt straight away. Yeah, yeah. And then from then it just sort of spawned this thing how, you know, in America it wasn't normal to have that much of a wide reach. Yep. And that's that's why they then formed the first blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. It's interesting because yeah. you see set photos of him and he's wearing Jaws merch, like, while they were even shooting it. Yeah, yeah, He's wearing yeah. a hat or whatever. I thought that's cool when filmmakers do that. Like, there was, uh, and I, I was watching a documentary too, and I think there was an instance where um, there was a point where uh, Spielberg was going to back out. He was thinking of backing out early on, yeah. and uh, one of the key kind of honcho producers had the sh- deliberately had the shirt on and all the merch on when yeah. he walks in to just try and kind of go, "No, I've got your back. I'm with you on this." And yeah, yeah, yeah. He believes that that was that's what turned Spielberg around, but who knows? It's just um, physical, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tangible. That's right. That's right. It's just interesting that it was really. It's kind of a shocking B movie, but yeah, it it's become like this template for blockbusters. Whereas now, like, yeah, if well, you look at it. It's yeah, and it, it's the genres, the mashing up of the genres. Too. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't classify it. Oh, this is interesting. Podcast, yes. Yeah. But like overall, I think Nick and I have had this conversation a lot about what genre Jaws is. Yeah. I actually think it, it crosses over a few different genres, and we'll talk about the different the acts within the movie and how it changes genres. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Kind of yeah, because it's um, you know, like in my opinion, it it, it is a horror movie. Um, and I would, I'm going to use an example of um how, um, Steve Miner who directed. Uh, Friday the 13th part 2 and 3 described Jason as basically Jaws on land um, so it kind of there tells you already that yeah. it leans quite heavily into the horror area that's not to dismiss anything you've said about it because there are huge amounts of it that, that are pure um, action adventure and comedy too if it yeah. was a straight up if it was, if it was so, and that's what made it more acceptable for mainstream audiences yeah. Because it did have those other elements to it that made it relatable and made it 
when when Spielberg took this movie on, like he'd already done Jewel, and when he was looking at the script for this, he kind of was going, "Yeah, I, th- I can make this. It's essentially Jewel, but it's on water." Yeah. Um, and so that's how he kind of went and and approached it. You know, it's, he was like, "It's exactly the same movie." He, like he's like, "Yeah, yeah, Jewel on water," and then the director's <laughs> like, "Jaws on land." It's, it's, yeah. This, this metaphor just keeps somewhere. The circle will be complete. Yeah. Well, um, the first director before Spielberg kept on referring to it as a whale. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you're not the guy for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because it was heavily uh, and the um, it's they use a lot of um, influence from Moby Dick in this um, as a, as a as a guide. It's like hunting the you know the, oh, the yeah, big white whale. That, um, yeah. And they originally wanted to have in there's a bit where there's a movie that they're watching in some in the town hall or something, and they were originally going to have um, um, Moby Dick on there. Yeah. Um, and a particularly a scene in there with uh, Gregory Peck. Um, but Gregory Peck, because he had the rights to the movie, said no, and because he didn't think it was a good example of his work, um, and so it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But but the whole premise is is what is <laughs> what a dick, what a maybe dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there you go. Setting the tone right. <laughs> <laughs> so look, let's 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 take a look at what actually happens in that in a very kind of you know couple of sentences of what actually happens in that first setup. Um, it's essentially um, you, you see Police Chief Brody played by Roy Scheider. He's literally a fish out of water in the sense that he's a New Yorker repositioned on Amity Island, um, a popular summer resort for what he believes will be a quiet life. This is until a woman, Chrissy Watkins, is violently attacked while swimming in the ocean. She's pulled under all to the fabulous John Williams score. How integral was the music in this movie, guys? Like this, uh, we've, we've grown up knowing John Williams stuff since then, but this it's such an iconic piece of music. Yeah, it's almost hard to just talk about it because it's, you know... It is referenced so much. Like I can't even imagine it being any other way. Yeah. Like it's it's sorry, go on. So say Spielberg laughed in the first time. The first time he heard it, he thought, Okay, that's great, that's really funny. Play me what you really what the real score. And he's like, No, no, this is it <laughs> And and to 'cause 'cause we it's so ingrained in our psyche now. Yeah. If we were to hear that for the first time today, we'd be going, oh, that's a bit daft. Yeah. But then you see it in context and it's it's such a signature thing isn't it too because mm. there's later on there's a red herring moment where you know, the kids are playing in, you know, and, and the music's not there um, so the audience already kind of knows that uh, subconsciously that this isn't the real thing before it happens um, because yeah. the music's not accompanying the, the killer shot it just best some of the best themes are ones that you can play on a piano quite easily like, yeah. you know the Halloween just, is just the same <laughs> a couple of notes is just repeated over and over yeah, yeah. it's the same feeling if That's right. someone started playing the Halloween theme right now like yeah. everyone would kind of like sit <laughs> up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, you know, get a little bit of goosebumps for sure. hearing it but um, yeah, like, I think a lot of people know this theme even if they haven't seen the film yeah, which yeah, is yeah, probably that's right. the biggest, you know, indication of how popular it is. Yeah, how much of an impact it had. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what surprised me. Rewatching it again, actually watching it yesterday. Yeah, it felt like I was watching it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I knew I loved this movie, but I haven't seen it maybe ten years. Yeah, probably. yeah. And I loved it as a kid and watched it a bit as a kid. And yeah. And then going back to it now, I'm like, oh, I get all the subtle nuances. Yeah, yeah. And, and the music was one thing that stood out. Going, oh, the music's not just. I mean, it's. On the opening credits, fair enough, but yeah. you don't really hear it unless the shark attacks. That's right. And so when you do get that red herring, there's no music. It's like, well, there's no, no, no music. No yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of and they that's use right. it. And the, also the, the the trailer, the theatrical trailer for this is is awesome. Like, yeah. It's proper the old school. It's like goes forever, <laughs> and it's got the score in it as well. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure, but 
it's just it's just one of those things it's like so even even seeing the trailer people would just be like what is this yeah 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 yeah. It gives away so much though. Yeah. By today's standards, it's it's filled with spoilers. Um, yeah, and the voiceover is amazing. <laughs> the, the voice, the Have to look it up. Um, but yeah, again on the music, my concern is that when my kids are old enough to watch it, because I even debated in my head like my yeah, kids yeah, are yeah. six. I'm like, oh, is it really that scary? You know? Yeah. Um, they're not going to watch it, don't worry. <laughs> but um, when they do come to watch it. Maybe it's a case of it being so parodied in all the cartoons they watch, all yeah, the yeah, movies, yeah, yeah, that they'll sort of laugh at it a bit. Yeah, going, oh, it's that silly music. I remember that from a different movie or a different yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's right. That's right. No, that's that's exactly. It. We've all become a bit kind of uh, sensitized to those kind of things. You know, that it's no or desensitized, I should say, to those sort of things. That it's not. It doesn't really have the impact. But then. Like I just echo what you were saying though. I, I when I rewatched this for the podcast, and it's been a while since I've watched the movie, I real I realized how good the movie was again. Like I, it was like I almost re enjoyed it again for for the first time. It's like yeah, um, and I was just that really to me shows a sign of how strong the movie is and that it still stands up. We've done a few podcasts now. And I could probably hold my hand up and say that there's only probably a, um, a, you know, a handful that mm. probably has that. That still stand up. Uh, yeah. That still stand up, you know, like I mean, maybe I can't even count it on one hand. Yeah, um, true. That's not to say that some of the movies that we've enjoyed watching, but there's a different sense of enjoyment with this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so look, the, just to round out the, fast, the, the final act, the, uh, the first act, sorry. The, so we kind of see Chrissy, the, bo- the body of the girl's remains, um, discovered on the shore the next day. And then Brody tries to shut down the beach, and it'd be overruled by the mayor, whose eyes are firmly set on the summer economy. So we've already had like this opening act. Then, so what? What are our initial thoughts on, on how they've set that up? You know, the tone of the piece, and and the fact that you do have, um, you know, uh, Brody's character, who's supposed to be an official, but he's not got really any power. He's almost been kind of, you know, walked all over, and um, you know, it, it's already setting him up as the uh, downfall, fallen hero who's got to prove himself to. Yeah, you kind yeah. of you're rooting for him. Yeah, because you're just thinking everyone else is just so stupid. Why can't they just Brody, man? He knows what's going on. Yeah, it, um, it's very much like Stranger Things, the same way um, the cop in that forgotten is Hopper. Yeah, you know, he's another big city cop who's now come to a small town. Yeah, and it's the same sort of parallel. Yeah, I, um, I know that's on Stranger Things. I really love that guy's character. I think he's just there's already early on he like he's, he's the, probably, the first scene he was in. It just got me hooked. I was like, yeah, yeah. there's something about you. It's really clever. But he's very yeah. damn. He's a very da- damaged character. I'd yeah, say yeah. Bro- Brody's pro- possibly more of. Um, he's not so damaged. Oh, he gets a bit damaged by yeah. the end of it. But, but when we yeah. when we first meet him, on the surface anyway, he's quite a well-adjusted kind of family man. Yeah. Um, just surrounded by idiots, it seems. <laughs> well, Steven Spielberg was saying before that he's supposed to be the audience. He needed someone for the audience. Yeah. And, you know, sorry to quote too much law here, but, you know, Steve, there was an interview with Steven Spielberg where he said he was at a party, sat by himself, and no one was talking to him. And then this guy came over, um, Roy Scheider, and hey. just started talking, and he basically poured his heart out to him and thought, wow, this isn't every man. And you see, the, my, my, my real problem is I need someone to play this lead character. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I can do it. I'm an actor. And apparently, that's that's the story. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. I think that's what he wanted. He wanted an everyman that 
from the start, you can be in his shoes. You know, he's a family man. Yeah. He's, like you say, fish out of water. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, had, it's set everything up, right? Sorry, I just had this image of Spielberg alone at the party. <laughs> like that never, like happen. that, that never happen again. Just yeah. that a slow tracking shot. <laughs> like all these people having fun around around him. Is Sad Hulk sick. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> Schneider comes out of nowhere. Cool. All right, so let's uh, let's now get into the the meat of the movie, the middle act, and where more deaths occur. So we basically have like Brody reluctantly agreeing to go along with the plan of um, you know keeping the beaches open, but of course another uh, fatal shark attack occurs, um, including an off-screen dog death. You've always got to have a dog death. Mm. It's it's a, it's a it's an unwritten rule in in horror. Um, That's what actually put the rating up to M. The, the, sec- the second victim, though, is a character called Alex Kintner. Um, and he's pretty much... It's a great scene, this bit. It's, he's like, you know, you've got the whole kind of ocean um, as you're looking out at it from the beach, from Brody's uh, POV. Um, and you literally see, like, the character kind of get ripped, you know, pulled down and a splurge of blood come gusting up and as he's literally torn apart. And then you get that kind of uh, that great tracking shot, uh, you know, that's been used from Hitchcock, and um, you know, ah, yeah. oh, which is done, you know, with great, great, uh, great skill in this one too. So it's probably one of the most uh, iconic shots within this movie um, alone. You know, it's just that a, with the music, and yeah, the two just works. Out. Exactly, exactly. When watching it as a parent now. I won't go on about being a parent too much, but watching it as a parent... I get the sense you're a parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a dad. <laughs> <laughs> watching yeah. it as a parent, seeing the little kids go in there, oh, yeah. swimming around, and then the worst, the scene that really makes my heart drop, which I don't even probably remember from a kid, mm. is where there's there's a definite clear line of everyone who's got out of the water, yeah. and they're standing there. And then there's the actress, the mum, who's sort of looking back, looking for yeah. the kid, and she's the only one who hasn't picked up her own kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, putting two and two together, it's like, oh, mine will be the one in bits and pieces. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. process of elimination, <laughs> that leg's mine. Oh, so it's a... Yeah, yeah I, know, I know the bit you're talking about, too. It's just, yeah, it's a really kind of... It's a great scene within... Oh. It's one of those things where you could pick out this scene in isolation and look at it, and there's a great yeah. video essay online, actually, which, which we should share. Yeah, put it, put it, we'll put it on links on the bottom. Because yeah. it, digs, it pulls the scene apart. <laughs> Bad choice. <of> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a lot going on here, and the building of suspense, yeah. just the way it's been edited and everything. Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a real highlight, I think, this scene. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's there's so many like little and the choreography of that alone is is insane to kind yeah. of set all those little bits and pieces up. You know, it's just and these a, are all extras as well. Yeah, it's just like yeah. featured roles, but still, it <laughs> yeah, couldn't yeah. have been easy to get them all to, to do what do they, what they want, want to, do. to do. That's right. Um, yeah, no. So no, thanks, guys. That's that's really cool. Um, so um, if I can just kind of bring us back to the other, yeah, as I said, the other characters of the piece in it. So we've got um, you know Hooper and Quint. Um, what do you think of these two? You know, they they kind of stand up uh, polar opposites of the ocean world, which is why there's that automatically have this kind of clash between the two. Um, both kind of uh, to say that they're so expertly played still feels like an understatement. Um, mm. They're so so good in this. Um, I just wanted to get your token thoughts on on these two guys. Well, they're, they're not, I don't think they're traditional like movie characters either. No. Like they, it's almost like they've wandered in from real life. But I mean, Quinn's <laughs> yeah. obviously quite exaggerated. Yeah. But yeah, just like Dreyfus, he's he's just like a bit of a nerd, isn't he? And he's just yeah. kind of not a traditional. I mean, it's not not that he's a leading man, but 
you know, I don't know. I don't he wasn't know. a leading man at this point. I don't think he's no, an Richard. overly good-looking dude either. Became a, he became a leading man after this. Yeah. He's quite, um, you know, he's quite shaggy-looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's an interesting thing about how he got the role, because he was offered it, and he mm. turned it down, and then he, in his own words, he uh, was in this movie, went along, and it just sunk like a dead duck. Yeah. And he kind of went crawling back to Spielberg and kind of went, yeah, about that role. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, begging and, yeah, begging him, literally, yeah. to kind of, recast him as it um which is you know it's, it's hard to think of anyone else mm. you know playing playing that role now and of the three he's the one that came out like a lot of audience reacted strongly to his character um the most of the three characters that are in it as yeah. in and t- so much so that um robert shaw got a bit kind of titsy about it and was like <laughs> you know I, he's the one that's got all the limelight blah blah blah, blah. I was a bit gruff about it because um, they were definitely polar opposites. Because you had, yeah. you know, uh, young, uh, old, you know, extremely wealthy, not particularly well off. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, and they had that on set, and it was incredible. And they both had so many funny lines. Yeah, so good. Incredible. Even even stuff that wasn't scripted, just them, you know, pulling funny faces. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, apparently, there was real hatred of them on set. I say apparently, you know, Richard Dreyfuss yeah. is open about how much they didn't like each other. Yeah. And how much of a bad drunk, you know, um, Robert Shaw was. Robert Shaw was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you get a lot of that tension watching watching the movie with with that knowledge in mind and seeing the way they spar off each other. It's great because you can actually feel that venom. Yeah. Um, and then I won't jump to the sort of next few acts, but you know they sort of resolve their differences. And, it's almost like that and I know the bit you're talking about it's almost like that was actually happening in that moment as well yeah. for the ad lib yeah. stuff down the track but, um, and then yeah. Brody's obviously that trying to wedge yeah. trying to keep them keep them apart That's right. keep them at arm's length I have to say though I like um, you know I, I obviously didn't know the guy but I I really love um, Robert Shaw's character in this. Like uh, for it's me, incredible. and like a lot of the lines he's he's got in there are actually from the local fisherman as well. There's a, a the Ben Gardner character yeah, ben Gardner. Um, was actually a local fisherman and had all these wild kind of phrases and stuff. And they used that a lot with Quint's character in yeah, there. So as ridiculous as it does sound, yeah. it's, it's taken from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Actual lines, yeah. And there, and there's a song that he sings as well a lot in it. And like uh, Spielberg kind of pulled him up and just said oh we've just got to make sure we've got rights to kind of sing that and he goes oh, I kind of um, it's actually taken from a gravestone that I read um, you know years ago and I'm just kind of singing it as a song <laughs> it's, like, right. yeah. it's, it's, it's a good memory he's got there yeah 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 <laughs> Um, anyway, the internet. that's it. That's it. Yeah, just uh, where, where do I get some? Where do I get my resources and oh, gravestones? Um, so okay, so um, we have the bond as we're saying forming a bit more strongly between Brody and Hooper at this stage, as they venture off in search of local fisherman Ben Gardner, who's gone missing. Uh, they discover the boat half sunk and evidence of a shark attack. When Hooper goes to investigate, we get the now infamous jump scare with Gardner's head popping into view. Is this still a genuine scare? Does this stand up to, to today, do you think? Holy shit, yeah. Because I knew about... This is... Well, when you say Jaws to me, that's the one scene that stands out for me because I remember yeah. a family friend, was, she was about the same age and she watched it and it would terrify her. Mm. And to me as a kid, I don't know, it wasn't as scary watching it as a kid, but I knew the moment was coming up. I was more... It's the anticipation of him in the black water yeah. going down. They're hunting for a bloody shark. Let's go into the black water <laughs> yeah, and yeah. around. So I didn't expect to be scared by this because I'm actually waiting for it almost beat by beat. Yeah. And I had my headphones in when I was watching last night on my iPad. And um, 
I'm sitting there watching it and I actually physically jump. <laughs> and I've watched some horror movies recently and you can see it coming. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. That's there, you know. Like, I didn't jump once at um, Shallows. Shallows. Yeah, Shallows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Let's not compare the two right now. No, no. Um, but yeah, I physically jumped and I haven't done that in ages. And especially <clears throat> yeah. knowing it was coming, I don't know how they managed. I think because there was a music cue or like a sound effect that I don't remember. It's like a real screech or something. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I think that's what really caught me out. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, but it also happens. Out. It happens like, like after you're expecting something to happen. I think. Yeah, there is that moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a beat before that's it happens. The best ones do yeah. that. It's yeah. like they they fool you into thinking that there's, the tension, there's nothing actually. Gonna they happen. turn one way, then they turn back, and then yeah, it's like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, how important it must have been so important to get that prosthetic. Right. Yeah. Because it could have been hilarious if it had been done. Oh, it looks stupid, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing, like, I'm, not that I'm an expert on discombobulated bodies or <laughs> or things, but, um, you know, it's uh, that when when it's submerged in water, it does kind of give a bit of a look anyway, you know, and I think that it kind of works. I think if you had, mm. like, a head, if it was, you know, if you were um, out of the water and just had a head kind of swing down, I don't think it would have had the same kind of impact. It's the eyes, or, or yeah, I should say. Yeah. When this something pops out, it's like, all right. Yeah, you know, all right, let's go. Uh, and it's, it's, been, it's been referenced a lot. Not just jump yeah. scares, but like actual moments where there's there's someone's head, like dead body just appears. Like mm. even gravity, I think, when Sandra Bullock goes back to the craft and one of the fellow astronauts just kind of, there's a music cue, bang on, yeah. and it's just oh, like, yeah. ah! But it's obviously like, yeah, it's where it was done well, first. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. All right, so... Um, sorry, I was going to say... Um, the actor who plays Ben Gardner, um, he was saying, you know, on that later interview, he was saying how, um, why'd the shark spit the head back out into the boat? That was nice and convenient. Like he just, it was weird that that's the one thing he took from it, even though that's his, supposed to be his dead head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, I was always surprised by that. Why would the shark <laughs> chew me and spit me out and put me back in the boat? Although like weirdly, I just watched the last episode of Fear the Walking Dead, right? And, um. And there's a bit in there where there's a, um, you know, they basically kind of tear this, uh, the zombies tear this person apart. And then you see the aftermath of the guy that's still alive walking off and you see the, the corpse in shot. And there's still quite a lot of it left. My instinct was, why did they leave all that meat? There's plenty of human meat going. Are, are they only interested in the vital organs? Anyway, that was like a massive thing. But it's the same kind of thing. I had that weird kind of reaction to it. I was like, well, why is that? But they then do, you... do, They do do the organs. Typically, it's just brains and yeah. heart and liver. Yeah, no interest in no interest in the, the flesh itself. Well, that's what I want. But surely that's that's where all the goodness is. Eh? We need to get a zombie in. Yeah, well, ask him. <laughs> if you're a zombie, it's just write into yeah. us. Anyway, you so that's assault, off, off, off track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off. There we go. Um, okay, so uh, with a lack of evidence, the beaches remain open. Uh, but on the fourth of July weekend, another attack occurs in the estuary. Uh, before that, though, is uh, the aforementioned, uh, we get that wonderful misdirect as some kids are playing a juvenile prank, pulling the officials and us, the audience, away from where the real danger lurks, which is where I think the beauty of this uh, particular scene comes in. Um, it's then that we're treated to our third on-screen kill with the boatsman being pulled down and devoured by our shark and Brody's son just about um, survives it. And this is kind of like the roundup of the middle act at this point. So what are your thoughts not only on the kill, but of what's happening at this point in the movie? Yeah, for me, it's um, it almost 
you can almost think Brody's a bit selfish. It's like, oh, my son got attacked, so now I'm going to close the beach. Yeah. You know, now it's personal. Yeah. But we know that's not the case because obviously he hasn't really had the hard evidence, you know, despite what um, a few people have thought. Yeah. Um, to actually close the beach proper. Yeah. yeah until yeah. they cut open the shop and find nothing. Yeah. I, th- I think I think it's kind of not have not knowing what's coming next. Like, is obviously the whole film changes gears for the for the for the act that's coming. Yeah, but that's right. Most the weaker films would just continue along this trajectory of like body, yeah. another body, another body. It's kind of like that's the brilliance because it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't uh, outdo it. That's that's welcome. No. And um, it doesn't it doesn't stand still. Like there's always forward forward momentum. Yes. Each kills different. Yes. And there's not too many of them. Like the no, this not. one, it's just like okay, things have gone up a gear. Bro, bro it's it's much. Um, there's much more at stake for Brody. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it just it just keeps getting Pals better forward. from this point on. I, I and I, I think if it's all right with you, we'll we'll plow straight on because what you said there ties in nicely to what I've written here about you know the last act for me is essentially where the film really stands tall and becomes the iconic movie that we know. Um, you know, you've got Quint, Brody, and Hooper set out for um, a hunt for the shark to lure in and kill the beast. Um, you know, you get these kind of quips and laughs along the way. This is where a lot of the comedy kind of starts really coming in, um, and it's there. And then we get that kind of break in the calm when Brody is laying down the chum in the water, yeah. and our shark emerges from the water out of the blue, and um, and there's that kind of big kind of sh- shock moment. So you, we're pulled into this kind of full sense of lull as they're all kind of having a bit of fun together and you have that scare moment um but despite their best efforts to harpoon the shark it disappears under the water and from this brief appearance you know quint guesses that the shark is 20 feet 25 feet long um so we're really getting uh, an idea of the size of the beast as well um we then have another calm moment but with it some in-depth conversation between the three and this is where it comes back to what you were saying um, we've had all this kind of tension building between the, the two actors yeah. and the characters they portray. And it's almost like, you know, it was uh, where the ice was finally broken here. And a lot of it was because of the sh- malfunctions of the shark. And there was a lot of um, ad-libbed scripting going on in this. Um, Nick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you. You feel like you look like you want to say something at this point. Yeah, go well, on. Only because it's one of the best scenes in the entire movie. Yeah. It's just they've gone through all this and that they're, again, lulled into another false sense of security. Yeah. Um, they're getting smashed. Yeah. Um, and and the story is that um, Robert Shaw was actually properly smashed for this as well. And and again, knowing that there's that tension between the two characters, and they start comparing, you know, war wounds, uh, which was later emulated in *Lethal Weapon*. Yeah. To I don't know. Two, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is great. And then they suddenly um, they're, they're toasting their legs because they've both got injured legs, and it's like they found a common ground now. You know, they've broken down that barrier that they've, you know, yeah, you're not so young and soft and yeah, you're not so gruff and old. Yeah. And they find that, that happy medium. Brady points out Quint's tattoo of the USS Indianapolis, um, which I'm not sure if, you know, most people know, but that was when they, del- if you've seen the movie as well, you'd have an idea, but uh, delivered the bomb for Hiroshima and yeah. then attacked by a Japanese submarine. Yeah. Um, and I think 1,100 men went into the water and after... Days sharks attack shark attack. I think about three hundred men survived yeah. roughly. Yeah. yeah, it's a great story. It's yeah, yeah. Its own. yeah, yeah. And that was that was sort of written and rewritten by uh, the writers of the movie to get that moment right. Yeah. Um, but you believe every word he says. Yeah. Like you believe he was there. 
Absolutely. You know, it's such a turn in the scene as well. It is. It's, it is. Because we've had that kind of whole, you know, there's this light-hearted kind of banter that's gone on and then all of a sudden it's undercut with this uh, real kind of heart, heart-rendering moment that this character's gone through, this hard, warm kind of character, and then you get a real insight as to why he's like that in this one instant. You know? But it's crazy. You've got two, like, classic classic moments, like, one after the other. Yeah. Like, the first one's obviously a bit more comedic and has been copied so many times. Chasing Amy is another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, where they talk about their battle scars with sexual... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. That's right. Um, but then this one is just, like... Yeah, it's obviously the sing- that single, like, slow zoom. Yeah. And it really draws you into the story. And I'm curious to know why... Has there been a film made about that story? I don't yes, know. There probably has, has been. There has, yeah. I don't is know. It, was it, was it, was it was an older maybe. film or...? No, I think there was one maybe done about ten years ago, maybe. Oh, okay, because I always thought, why not make it? Why doesn't Spielberg make like that, that film? That movie, yeah. Um, I remember thinking that when I saw it again. I'm like, oh, that'd make a great movie, and I'm pretty certain they might have done one. Right. Um, but in the right hands. Yes, in the right hands. Rebooted. Yeah. Rebooted, yeah. <laughs> like Jaws. Like <laughs> yeah. So look, they um with that though, just to kind of round out that that particular moment as well. It's it's all it's it's in the delivery of the that particular story too because his tone completely changes in the way he's talking and that for me that's why like I you know I'm a big fan of Robert Shaw Uh, I think you know he was great in The Sting as well for me and I just think he's a he's such a such a great actor Um, and that kind of just that real subtle way of just changing the tone of his voice as he delivers that really uh, is it it lays down the impact that it has on the viewer and I think it was was a great moment and with that is also an indication that his days are numbered because he's poured out his soul and his story to the audience, which we always know if you're going to do that, <laughs> pretty much is your swan song. He might as well be having sex. <laughs> he may as well be having sex. Or lose his virginity, that's always the one. That's it. it yeah, what were you going to say? I'm glad so? he didn't, though. Yeah, oh, me too. It's <laughs> <Being> awkward. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> just, just Come on, Brody. Just it's just free men <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> um... There must be a draw, Jaws triple X somewhere. <laughs> but for me, it, it really felt like a campfire story. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there could be a bear out there and they could be sat around the campfire and he could be telling a similar sort of story. Yeah, very true. Um, and that's what really worked because it, it's almost like a separate story in itself. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you, you could expect a jump scare, but you don't expect to sort of be scared verbally by him retelling a story. No, no, that's right. That's right. Um, but what, again, like, you know, another beautiful moment in this movie is that another straight off the back of that another attack comes when uh, the shark whose name is Bruce in this they call him Bruce um, rams the boat and kills the power and then Quint smashes the radio forcing the three to pit their wits against the beast the beast um, and it's almost like he's challenging himself at this point that you know because of the ordeal he's faced before he's like no we're gonna it's just gonna be us against the shark um, and then we get this like long chase, which results in the shark being harpooned, but the shark drags the deck under the boat. Um, so Hooper attempts to go into the cage and um, inject Bruce with this hypodermic spear, but the shark it, it ends up attacking the cage itself and demolishes it. Um, Hooper, though, does escape um, and then hides down in the rocks at the bottom. The shark then draws its attention on the boat and attacks uh, the boat, um, and he um, basically starts tipping it into the you know so it starts to kind of move upwards and in doing so uh, propels Quint into the jaws of the shark as he fights for his life 
before eventually being consumed and dragged beneath the surface in one of the most classic classic (laughs) kills. I was surprised at how gory that was because I don't remember this being a gory movie. No. And then seeing that, I mean, the the only sort of kind of flaw, if you want to say, is that the shark is is a slow shark in this. Yes. Which is fine because you're building tension, but... You know, when it's flapping around, like even watching the trailers for the subsequent movies, yeah, they have a fast shark, and yeah, it yeah. goes in this like it's like fast zombies, yeah, as opposed to walking, you know, the day of the living dead, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and you know, it's it's clearly a mechanical shark, but then having said that, it's it, it's it's such a great moment in this film, it's um, you know. We're, yeah, we're seeing we're seeing the gruff kind of that's another fishman. That's that's actually coming to that. Yeah, the actual shark itself. I mean, that's probably another thing that kids nowadays, if they were to watch it, might find funny. Yeah, they might be like like crack up when they see the shark. Yeah, yeah. It's just like so, stop it, you're ruining it. <laughs> well, they did that with the shallows as well, without going to compare it too much. When you saw the shark, it's just like oh god. <laughs> and that was cutting edge. Right, yeah, yeah. wow! Action, you know there you mean? go. But yeah. it looks real, you know, for pretty much yeah, the whole movie. Really, I think most of it, like when it's underwater, moving through water. Yeah, it's right. Like, yeah, when it's above. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the thing is, you don't see enough of it, which is part of the beauty. Of yeah, the film. yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. which is obviously the constraints in it. I always think with these things, it's like just one shot is enough if, if you're going to keep it. Yeah. It's like I almost thought there was once you have too many shots, it loses. That's why I think that latest yeah. Godzilla film, like I think they could, once they've shown him in the first, like at the end of the first act or whatever, it's kind of like you've shown your cards. Yeah. From there on, it's just like. Oh, oh I mean, like you know, I, I I sound like a bit of a broken record on these things. Like the part of what makes horror so great is is the unknown. We have, as a human race, a fear of the unknown. So the less you see of what's coming and attacking you, the more yeah. frightening it is. Yeah. And this, in a sense, yes, was. It was partly because they had mechanical failure with the shark, but that in in a sense ended up being part of its success in the sense that we don't see it that often. Um, and then when we get this kind of final moment, it really is quite a horrifying experience to, mm-hmm. to see one of the leads being devoured by this thing. Well, you love them by that point as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's the one yeah. thing with, with any good horror, in my opinion, yeah. is you can kill as many people as you like, but if you don't care about them... You know. Which is why unfriended doesn't work because you hate those people. That's the social. I that. that social just obnoxious twins. Oh, you just you just go. I don't give a shit. Yeah, good, good on you. You're, yeah, you're rooting for the people killing them. Get that one next. Yeah, but that's also there's also a satisfaction to that too. Maybe that was your intention. Maybe that was it. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Enjoy watching these. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so look, not content, con- not content with the feast, the shark returns for Brody and attacks the ship again. Uh, Brody basically uses his last defence by shoving a pressurised scuba tank into the shark's mouth. He then climbs the mast of the capsizing boat before firing a bullet into said tank. Smile, you son of a bitch! One of the famous lines. Um, And then the tank explodes, killing the shark along the way. And we're left with Brody and Hooper paddling to safety in a makeshift raft as the credits close. Um, Final thoughts on, on, on the final act? It goes into... It's full action at the end, isn't it? Yeah. It's... It's... Yeah, it changes again. But I think um, that even a film like this, it's got to have a one-liner in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, you know... I, I kind of was thinking of um, of uh, Aliens as well, you know, with a... Get away, get away bitch. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of... The, just throwing the word bitch in it. You know, yeah. It's just like, that'll do. Yeah. Um, but iconic it's, it's funny how some sorted. people people latch onto some lines and not other lines, you know? Yeah. Like the, the, the 
probably like on par with that, if not more popular, is the we're gonna need a bigger boat line. But mm. it's just funny to me that like that line. If you if I was watching this for the first time, not knowing that it was an iconic line, I don't think I'd think anything of it. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people just kind of just latch. Am, am I right in saying that that was ad libbed as well by Roy Scheider? That we're gonna need a bigger boat. I'm not sure. He says it a couple of times. He says you're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah, that's you know. Yeah, the direct quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it a couple of times just to really get it. But the first time you hear that joke, it's it's great. Yeah. Oh, so this is one of those misquoted classic lines. That's Probably. It's yeah. like the Luke, I'm your father one. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can just hear the, the forums out there. <laughs> yeah. Tap on the keyboard. I think you're fine. Wrong. <laughs> Yeah. It's got an upward inflection. Um, <laughs> the, um, all right, so look, let, let's talk about the stuff of legend. You know, what what has made this uh, film so great? Um, you know, interestingly, like some of the stuff that comes out of it. Spielberg was only twenty six when he made this movie. Um, he was twenty two when he did Jewel, and that kind of really <laughs> puts things right. into. Con- it pisses me off. I tell you, being, being thirty six. Oh, well, that's it. I'm out of excuses. <laughs> I was too young. Now I'm too old. No, that's it. Uh, so, um, and from the success of this, he went on to become one of the most successful directors in the industry. Um, but the final product could have been very different. It was a troubled production, um, and it's been well reported. Uh, upon its lack of script, it was short on cast at a point. Um, the mechanical shark didn't work, um, and it and it should have taken fifty five days to film, but it went on to take one hundred and fifty nine, uh, which was you know obviously completely uh, you know through the production show, schedule out of the water. Um, so why and how did this film become so successful if it was such a troubled product? Um, you know, it, it, success could would inevitably lead to similar themed movies and inspirations as we spoke about um chief amongst these was joe dante's piranha uh, a film that doesn't shy away from the fact that it was a blatant ripoff um so what do you think why what what is it that makes this movie such a success how why is it continually being used as a as a mantle um up there for classic films for me it's it's the way the characters are written mm. and um one thing that keeps you going like i was I was almost prepared to watch this movie, like half watch it while I was doing something else. Yeah. Because I thought, I know this movie, I know this story, I know everything about it. And I'm watching it again and I, I stopped what I was doing straight away and just I was transfixed. Yeah, yeah. Because there's all the nuances that I know re or rewatching it now, like, you know, in, in the story, um, he's talking about how he'd never wear a life jacket again after, you know, after his experience. And there's a moment where he actually grabs the life jackets and gives them a little glance. And then he just hands the two life jackets to the other guys and doesn't yeah. have one for himself. Yeah. There's just so many little things that if, you, if you're watching it and you're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but the big one for me that I completely forgot was just how funny this film was. Yeah. And I know they hired a comedy writer who went back and added, added extra things to it and it really pays off because mm. if you're enjoying the journey and you're entertained, then when the scares come, it really throws you. You have that real contrast of... The yeah. funny and then the brutal. Yeah, and that's that's what works so well for me. It's just the comedy and the characters in it. No, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It's 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 there's so many beats that are so perfectly written in this that you know that just kind of keeps you pushing forward and onwards. It's it's uh, it's basically become the hallmark of of how to present uh, not just a horror film but an action. Film yeah, as well. well, that's why that's why I like it because it's just got, as I said, it's got all those elements, of different genres mixed in together. Yeah, I don't think if it was any one of those things that wouldn't probably have been as memorable for me. But I like that it evolves as it goes on. I like that it's 
you know, in some ways it's a bromance, like towards the end. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. One of the first bromances. The audience cheered when they first saw this, when they when they re- when uh, when Hooper and Brody were together. In the original uh, script, Hooper dies when the shark mm. attaches the cage, attacks the cage, yeah. and it was only because. Um, when they had a real shark kind of trying to... They were trying to kind of mimic the attack of the cage. Um, it, it ripped the cage apart, but he there was nobody in it at the time, but that was the best shot they had, and so yeah. they had to rewrite that around. So they basically had rewrote the fact that Hooper escapes from the cage first. And most people know or not, but um, they had to use a, a person of short stature, a he little did. person, to they make did. the cage there, to make the shark look bigger. Yeah. They hired a, hired a, I'm going to say midget for lack of a better term, but yes, a short person. Um, to get inside a sh- smaller cage, but because yes. the cage was smaller, they had to make it in proportion so the bars would be slightly thinner, and so the shark would then smash it up. Yeah. Unbeknownst to the the person inside the cage, <laughs> I should say his name rather than calling the little person. Um, but the problem was they hadn't actually allowed because he had to have a little scuba tank to yeah. be in proportion. A little person, <laughs> a little person uses the same amount of air as, as a normal. Height, height person, yeah, yeah, and they hadn't allowed for that, so he was in the in the water for a couple of couple of sucks of air, and then he had to get out, and that's when the cage got attacked. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and that and that's the footage, and you can see it on the extras too. They've got it still that kind of footage that didn't, some of it didn't make the final cut of the film, it's and just, you can see how it's just really laying into this cage. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those films where like yeah, obviously the behind the scenes story is just as mm. fascinating as yeah. the, as a real thing, but it's. It's just, it could have been an absolute disaster. Like, yeah, it could have. It really could. And, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. Like Spielberg's career could have ended. Like you know, after. I mean, I'm pretty sure he would have come back and done something else, right? But it's his. He was always going to make this work, just because he was always born to be like. A, like no matter what happened, his passion was going to carry it through. Yeah. Every and everyone must have believed in him to actually. Oh, completely. Know, continue to work completely. on it. And commit to it. Um, so it just goes to show that all you have, you just have to be determined. You have to believe in the end product, you know, <laughs> no matter how fucking crazy it is. Now there's exceptions to this rule. Tommy Wiseau making the room, for instance. Um, <laughs> but you know, look, we're still talking about it now. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it's a masterpiece in its own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm remembered remember this for as long as that movie. You know, everyone still knows about it. Everyone still watches it. Yeah, it's still yeah. in the cinema. I know. Yeah. Keeps there are, coming there back. Many classics that can still say that. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I think, I think he must have been, like, nervous still, like a- anyone would be nervous after. Yeah, you know, yeah. Imagine well, if it, were, imagine if it hadn't have struck a chord. There were points where people like production crew were coming up to him, going, "When's this movie going to end?" And he was he was like, "I don't know. I actually don't know yeah. when this is going to end." Maybe when they fire me. Yeah. I, you know, it literally was at that point. And yeah. he thought he was getting fired every day. As well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he had someone at a party come up to him saying, Oh, everyone's talking about this movie in New York. And, you know, they, they say this is going to ruin your career. He's <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, shit, thanks for that. <laughs> it just, it'd be a sweet because everyone looks at Sorry. it and they're like, Oh, such a legendary. Imagine being on the cast, on the set of Jaws. It's like, yeah. you really didn't want to be there, guy. <laughs> no, 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 that's would, right. It would have been, right. the pressure would have been. Oh, insane. Been saying, yeah. Yeah. And, and just the stress levels. Like, you know, he's lucky lucky he was 26 because he would have had a heart attack. (laughs) He probably would have. He would have chucked a a Francis Ford Coppola. Like Richard Dreyfuss completely hated his performance in it. He went publicly to interviews and said, it's not Stephen's fault, it's Universal's fault for not letting this character breathe, but 
you know, yeah, I'm not happy with my performance in it. Yeah. And I, I watched, I then watched the movie, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? Nutter. <laughs> it's, it's just believable. He's just believable. Like, yeah. Like, that's again another thing with good horror is that it's believable. Yeah, yeah, that's when right. When you have people make stupid decisions in horror movies, like they run back inside the house or you know do something you wouldn't normally do as a person. Yeah. You know yeah. that's when you lose all believability. That's right. But, but all the characters and all the cast are so believable. You're in there with them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. Um, is there anything else you want to say on on the on the main the main movie before we kind of obviously it <laughs> spawned uh, a few sequels? Um, is there anything else you want to mention on on the main movie at all, guys? I mean, we can come back to it if you I want. I really, to. I still want to watch this. I still haven't seen this at the cinema. I want to, I want ah, to watch yeah. it yeah. Like, with a good print, and I think there was a, actually a four K print done a few years a few years yeah, yeah, yeah. Blu Ray. So I, I have it on Blu Ray. I watched it on Blu Ray. It's it's it looks great. Um, but I, I want to see it on the big screen. Yeah, preferably, I... preferably on my bucket list is to watch it at the dive-in cinema. Ah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think yeah. Austin, Texas has one. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. always wanted to do that. But I'm pretty sure it's I've one of seen, seen that, that posted. You can do it. There's a few places in the world that, that you can actually Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. But, um, is that the one set in a lake? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you float on a tube. And you yeah, that's it. Yeah. That'd be and awesome. Someone grabs you underneath the water. You heard that? <laughs> is that a rumor or is that? Well, like... that, that's how I heard it pitched. This was ages ago, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. If just someone just tickling. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> someone just even if it's not you, you watch someone else disappear when you're watching the movie, and they do it at the key moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we can make this happen. We could. Maybe we, we could. could. Oh, hey. That's always been my dream to do that, like a secret cinema, but you know, not, but in the theme, like you watch Blair Witch. Yeah, mate. In the woods. So wanted. Went wild. The went wild out of Blacktown. I don't see yeah. why they couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, no, it's That'd be like awesome. It's probably not family. Maybe possibly not family friendly. <laughs> Come on, it'd kids. Night, it'd be a nighttime thing. Just get yeah. one at night. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about the, the sequels really quickly. Um, there was three of them that would come up. Um, but I'm going to talk about them in chronological order. order. Jaws 2 would come to the screens in 1978. Um, this was one, a.k.a. You know, the return of Shider. Um, probably, no, I'm going to say it's not probably. It is the best of the sequels. Um, and it's it was, not saying much. It's not saying much, yeah. Um, but it also was the one with the famous tagline, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, which um, has stuck ever since. Um, Lorraine Gray would also return as Ellen Brody. Um, Murray Hamilton also returns as the mayor. It also had issues with production um, and the shark and went through a couple of directors too before it um, finally kind of surfaced. Um, it would mainly centre around another shark and to keep um, with the whole teenagers under threat, guys, it would see Brody's kids, Michael and Sean, under threat in this instance. Um, the death total was seven victims this time round. There was two scuba divers at the beginning, some guy called Terry... Um, for Terry, for Terry. Uh, Diane who was the one that ended up in that in the scene where she ends up burning herself uh, and setting herself on fire when she's trying to uh, fire a flare gun into the shark there's a death of an orca whale in there so oh. we've moved away from the dog being killed to um, an, um, a creature of the a sea homage to the boat maybe the yeah it could be um, and then um, then we get Eddie being killed in probably the better uh, set up death scene in it so he's the one that's um, you know the boat kind of gets pushed and he gets fl- he gets thrown into the water and he's uh, some yeah. while out swims up to oh, try yeah, and get yeah. in and then the shark pulls him down under just as he's about to get in um, yeah it's kind of a cool moment um, and um, then the last couple of deaths there's a helicopter pilot who gets killed 
who he's the one that comes to try and aid, come to the aid of the stranded kids, and Marge, who's one of the said kids, is also killed at the end. Um, eventually, the shark would meet its end when it's chews through a power cable and electrocutes itself. Yes, so, I remember that. So, do, what do you do? You guys remember this particular one? And we were just having talk offline as, as about. Saying, yeah, I remember bits and pieces. Like yeah. that tagline. It's amazing that when you think about it, obviously it's not from Jaws about no. to go back into the water. But yeah, it still sticks. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, but yeah, not much else. No, for me, I all I, I just remember the ending. I remember that power cable bit. Yeah, and I sometimes confuse yeah. that with the first one. So do I. I, I don't really. know why. I don't no. know if I didn't when I was a kid somehow managed. See Jaws two before Jaws one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. it's, uh, it's... Your uncle had let you uh, let you go <laughs> by that point. You can watch the shit ones first. <laughs> I was looking after my viewing back then, but I, I managed to see Empire Strikes Back was the first Star Wars movie I saw. Ah, oh, okay. Which seems fucking ridiculous now. Weird order to it. do it in, but yeah. Weird order, yeah. So five, six, four. Right. That was the order. Right, okay. <laughs> I was like, what the hell was going on in my household? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, they were just missing that, that copy of Any Hope. And then yeah, maybe. Like, That's weird. Or, or, was or one, two, three. did my dad actually believe that that was the better order to watch the films? Like, I don't know. I either, don't way, think, either way, I was very I don't think you'd watch Return of the Jedi before Star Wars and Any Hope, though, really. No. Personally. But, but that was when yeah. I thought the walks were okay, but... Oh, yes, so that's true. That's why you can forgive Jar Jar almost because we were going. Wait, to... what? No, 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 no. Wait, that sentence cannot I surely be strung together. <laughs> I said almost. You mean if you're a kid? If you're a if kid. You're a kid. Yeah. Because yeah, oh, we... it was a big franchise thing, wasn't it? You know, I say we, Ben and I. <laughs> I was borderline okay with it. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking I was in year seven, so I was like <laughs> semi on board with this. But yeah, I wasn't okay with Jar Jar, but still with yeah. the Ewoks as a kid, I loved them. The cartoon. And the, toys. And the, the cartoon. the cartoon as yeah, well, and the merchandise right. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I feel a bit bad when, you know, again, not a fan of Jar Jar, but still, kids loved it. They did. Yeah, no, I remember, so. like, you know, the bag, the backpack thing as well. There was, like, kids went nuts over him. Before even the movie had come out, people were like, oh, that's a cool-looking thing. People Little did the Jar Jar tattoo. The actor that I'm the best, the guy who played Jar Jar, I must be so thankful that it was performance capture. So he doesn't have thrown out. No one recognises him in the street. Yeah. Whereas Jake Lloyd is just not doing so well no. these days. He gets no, recognised in prison, I think. Ooh. From other tattoos. No, no, no I think he got, he got locked up. Really? Yeah, he did. Oh, he jeez. Took a dark, God damn it. Took a dark turn all of a sudden. Yeah. All right. The police force was within. Talking about things turning darker, let's look at Jaws 3D. Um, 1983, this one came out, directed by Joe Alves. Um, Jaws 3D saw the attacks take place in a SeaWorld centre. It starred Dennis Quaid and Leah Thompson amongst its alumni. And I used to have a huge thing for Leah Thompson. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at her now, and look at this movie now, (laughs) and I kind of question why. Um, (laughs) Because I don't get it. I'm looking at it going, I don't get it, I don't get it. But then I was a huge Back to the Future fan, so maybe it kind of stems from that. Um, It would be, as I said, released in 3D during something of a revival of the early 80s, including Friday the 13th Part 3, which was chief among its trend. the film essentially follows the Brody kids much older now. Michael works at said water park where a shark infiltrates the centre and kills people left, right and centre. Uh, they capture a shark, which they believe to be the culprit, but it turns out that there's a much bigger beast in the water than... Um, sorry, there was a much bigger beast in the water that was behind it all. Um, there were five death, to- uh, death uh, kills in this one. Um, there's Shelby Overman, who was torn apart by the shark. Randy, who's killed off screen by the shark. We get Ed, who's killed off-screen also by the shark. 
And then Phillips Fitzroyce gets devoured by the shark. Great character name. Um, and then Fred is torn about torn apart Not by so the good shark. Character, oh, Fred. Poor Fred. <laughs> like Terry. Just um, yeah, exactly. Can't the name in no, the surname. Just, just give him Fred. Fred. Uh, finally, the shark is conquered when uh, you know he's conquered by a grenade that was lodged in its mouth, um, which was still attached to the hand of Phillips Fitzroyce. Um, and uh, Michael Brody pulls the pin and the shark explodes, killing it. Do we, or do you guys, have you watched it? Are you familiar with, with it? I or stopped it. I stopped it too. Well, it's probably good that you did, to yeah. be honest. Um, it's kind of like Super, the Superman series, <laughs> the original Superman series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just... Because I admittedly haven't gone back and re-watched these movies, but yeah. I did re-watch the trailer. Yes. And it wasn't so much a trailer, it was more just a clip of Dennis Quaid running after... Um, getting people out of the water yeah, yeah, yeah. performing you know, uh, yeah that's actually quite a, that's quite a good bit because that's the bit where they realise how big the shark is mm. and, and there's a manis- massive panic uh, you know because they realise it's in the complex and they need to try and get everyone out of the water so the tension's kind of really built up at that point you know you've got Dennis in there acting his heart out but bless him it doesn't help when you've uh, got such a shit kind of st- uh, plot line to deal with which, which I never knew was in this I yeah, yeah. Movie. So I remember Michael Caine being in one of them, yeah. and that was about it. Yeah. I couldn't have told you which one either. Sure. But, um, He's not trying to do an American accent, is he? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. But with with the premise of the movie, I'm like, oh, that's cool. His son sort of, you know, yeah, um, picks up the mantle and starts, you know, uh, leaving where his dad left off, kind of thing. It's yes. Great. Um, but then the fact it's in Sea World kind of feels a bit limiting. Yeah. So I know. Right, let's just close it down. Let's empty the tank. You know, <laughs> you I'm see, sure there's more to water drain out and just the <laughs> withering shark at the bottom going oh okay. <laughs> just two hours of the tank into you. Oh, shit. yeah no no it's right yeah I, look it wasn't it wasn't the best and even the 3d components on it were pretty shit um you know i instantly compare it to um George, i mentioned George, um no <laughs> i instantly compare it to friday the 13th part three came out the same year it was when the big boom happened in 1983 everyone was like hey let's make 3d movies um but friday the 13th part three actually does it really well there's some really kind of nice bits in it arguably they milk some of the the uh, effects in it but there are some bits where it pays off and when you compare it to this one it just looks you know this looks shit really shit in comparison they've, um, yeah they've made it 30 foot shot 35 foot shots like <laughs> 10 extra feet to go oh look it's bigger yeah, it's, it's like exactly. the same trailer um, they still use the music yeah yeah it's, yes they do but not anywhere nearly as well executed um, there's like a there's a bit in it where like you know it's the bit where they, the, the two kind of oceanographers are telling the guy that owns the sea centre uh, sea world centre about the fact there's a huge shark in there at which point it's in like an underwater kind of uh cafe kind of restaurant and at which point <laughs> they turn and they all look in shock horror as this thing kind of starts this <laughs> coming towards them and smashes through the screen supposedly in 3d um oh, and it's, yeah. it's, it's glass oh, yeah yeah that's yeah. it and it it's oh, be, so it awful must be quite interesting watching it in normal 2d at home like well that's the TV. thing because they does it doesn't translate across no. properly so that's that's you the format like, that you're given oh, and it's oh it looks really shit okay which leaves us talking of shit to the last movie Jaws the Revenge came out in 1987. Many critics considered this to be one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, it was panned on release. The film was nominated for seven Golden Raspberry Awards. Um, in the story context, the film focuses on Ellen Brody, Lorraine Gray, who comes back um, again to 
uh, you know, uh, played her character. Yeah, um, her, I remember yeah and she uh, she starts um, having these, uh, you know, convictions that that a shark is seeking revenge on her family. Um, yeah, particularly, that's it. That's got a vendetta. Yeah, particularly because oh, it's like the whole son of Jaws kind of thing. Yeah, particularly when a great white follows her to the Bahamas. Um, <laughs> that's it. So um, it just goes on holiday. Yeah, yeah. I remember now. So, oh um, my god. So is the is so the shark we, uh, in, incognito, uh, like with a hat? Stalking her. What are you doing? Nothing. Uh, just making some cocktails. <laughs> the um, <laughs> the. the uh, so they've already uh, explained, um, you know, uh, with Martin Brody's character's absent because he's died of a heart attack, and she says that's because of the sharks have, have caused him to have this heart attack and die. The son, the the young son, is killed at the very beginning by a shark attack. So it basically just leaves the two kind of Brody characters that are left. So there's the mum and the Michael character. It it completely ignores the fact that 3D uh, Jaws 3D the revenge happened. Uh, Sorry, revenge completely ignores the fact that 3D happened. It's um, timeline's more fucked up. Than yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's yeah all over the place. So um, you know, it's uh, and it, as we said, it stars Michael Caine as Hoagie, um, and Mario Van Peebles is in this too, yes. in probably one of the worst Jamaican accents or whatever accent <laughs> he's trying to put across ever, um, which I was surprised about. I was like, well, Mario Van Peebles far out. Um, as I said, there's there's only three deaths in this. Martin Brody, as as mentioned, has died from a heart attack, and that happens before the events of the film. We see Sean Brody dismembered and devoured by the shark, and and the last one is Mrs. Ferguson, who's dragged away by the shark. Um, (laughs) The final demise of the shark comes from uh, when it's, and this is laughable, it comes when it gets impaled by a boat and then blown up. Um, So it's impaled by a boat, which is driven by Ellen Brody, after it's been after it's leaping out of the water, in the lead up to it, it's being blasted by impulses through the water caused by Michael Brady, and the result is that the upon in, impact as it's been impaled, the shark explodes. What do you mean? You mean emotional impulses? <laughs> <laughs> impulses that are shock waves that are sent through. <laughs> just like, he's a psychic. Oh, it's yeah, just like. <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. So what's he making the pulses with? It's like like this electronical kind of, um, you know, like uh, waves that is is being blasted through the. This actually sounds like it's it's so bad it's good though. No, I'm always no, no, no. It's not that. It doesn't get anywhere near that. It's it's just terrible. I feel like the sharks (laughs) maybe should be up for the Darwin Awards. Electrical cables. They're screwing themselves. They're kamikaze sharks. But I mean, this that's this sounds like more along, like it's like Sharknado took that and times to buy. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, completely, um, completely. To into the pushed it into the ridiculous. Well, that's exactly it. Like, so the, the uh, you know, yes, we're primarily here talking about Jaws, Jaws, and the franchise that you know that came out of it with these other three films. But there's been countless, countless, countless other shark films that have gone yeah. out there ever since. You look up um um un um. um Movie, uh, horror movies that are born out of um, natural, the natural kind of uh, killers. So, like you know, creatures, crocodiles. Or crocodiles, and things like that. Yeah. So there's crocs. There's you know, piranhas, as I've mentioned before, um, and there's there's countless of other things. You know, it even goes to chemical kind of you know, chemical imbalance and stuff yeah. that comes into play. Um, chief amongst these is is shark attacks, like the shark movies. There's it trumps all of the other ones combined. Um, 
which kind of says a lot about how Sharknado exactly like four of those have come into effect but I mean that's because they're like they're actually a boogeyman that exists in real life they're almost like yeah exactly they're nature's best predator they've um, they've been around you know since the dawn of a prehistoric kind of era you know that have adapted and formed to become what what is known as the sharks today and it's it's um, perfect because they they are unseen because they're yeah. they're lurking just beneath the surface and it's you know obviously. you're vulnerable you're, you're in your speedos or whatever you're mankini <laughs> yeah. and you're yeah. floating down the water your legs are dangling like you're, yeah you're yeah and that's it that's exactly it and it's still a, it's still in a, a something that's in contention today like we still we live in Australia and it's you know count, yeah. countlessly it's, it's fang punching a shark it's yeah it's still well, you could actually. I'd like to see someone put McFanning into every shark movie ever made, just punching <laughs> the shark at some point. <laughs> just, yeah, um, just who knows? He could be a shark native five at some point. Cracking on that, Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, but let, I mean even now like you guys were talking at the beginning about the shallows as well that's kind of like been the, the latest I guess instalment into into shark horror um, I mean it sounds like you guys weren't weren't so favourable of it yes but there's obviously it's obvious it's obviously impossible to talk about any shark film without referencing Jaws something. that's the thing isn't it like but you know that, that's exactly my point it's, and then I guess this is why we're, we're doing this podcast now to kind of tie in the fact with this with the shadows coming out um in the cinemas um but yeah there's been so many of it and there's been some good ones in there like some that have kind of actually done semi-decently like i think i think of the reef and open water are examples of where they've used that in a in a kind of clever way Mm -hmm. the less said about open water too the better um but you know but even like um you know uh, deep blue sea did it in a very kind of fun yeah, jocular way. It's a lot more channel. shocky, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Actually, but it knew that and it shark, wore it on its the on the teeth. Looks more fake than Bruce does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it swims backwards for God's sake. Yeah, but with the moment when <laughs> the the moment that that's their jump scare moment when Sam Jackson gets like taken away by the shark. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Like, it's it's, it's so one of the best kills in in uh, in films <laughs> ever yeah. because it's so like unexpected. He's giving yeah, his yes. big big speech and you see to him like just you know, mid that's sentence. It. It's just great. Plucked. But the shark in that scene just looks it's it's on par with Sharknado like quality of, of CG. Right. So what this kind of lends us to like there's another behemoth shark movie that's being made at the moment. It's going to come out. If it's I think it's next year. It's called Meg, um, and it basically is Jason Statham movie. Um, if you're not aware of it and. Um, he, he he comes across like a big mega shark. It's like a dinosaur kind of prehistoric shark. Oh, like the ones we used to have down in Australia, like uh, Megalodon. Megalodon, that was the one. Yeah, it's There's kind of a movie called that as well. Yeah, so it's kind of arcing towards that. So it'd be interesting to see how the that comes about. Work. Meg. Meg. All right, Meg. All right, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> so it's the least threatening, you know. Maybe that's just that it's just a red herring. It's actually Statham's character's name in the film. It's called <laughs> Meg. Meg. My name's Meg. Or maybe it's his pet shark. One man and Meg, and they go around so <laughs> One man and Meg. If he doesn't punch a shark, though, I'd be pretty disappointed. Yeah. I was very disappointed with Liam Neeson's uh, The Grey. He didn't punch a wolf at any point in that film. So I feel like. Wait, can we backtrack? You're, were you disappointed in the film or you were disappointed in the fact that he didn't punch a shark? He didn't punch, uh, punch, he didn't a, punch wolf. a wolf at any point. Okay. But if Liam Neeson's in a movie about that, the wolves they're hunting... Liam that Neeson, movie's awesome. I was waiting for the the moment when he fought a wolf and it cuts, like the film stops. I know. 
that moment. Oh my god, like, you guys! He yeah. has his get busy living or get busy dying moment. <laughs> <laughs> and attaches the bottles to his knuckles, and yeah. then it cuts like it was like a Sopranos moment, like cut the. Black. I love. I have to. Shit, I, what to me, to, to me, that was one of the better movies that came out that year. It was. It's awesome. It's, it, but it we builds, can agree to differ, Ben. Yeah. Got to get the payoff. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Look, uh, that that kind of essentially wraps us up for uh, for the Jaws franchise. Um, thank you very much for kind of taking part. And Nick, Pleasure. I hope it wasn't too bloody for you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> throwing... exactly, because it's my first time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Man, I was trying to do it in a not so subtle way. Um, but, uh, that's all right. I might leave that in. Um, but yeah, thanks again for your for your input. Um, and and Ben, likewise, thanks for uh, coming aboard and having a chat. Thank you. You can't really. It's hard to uh, do this film justice when you're talking about it, isn't it? Because everything's kind of been said already about it. But yeah. I think. Oh, having said that, like though, like if you haven't seen it, is you've got to go and watch it. It's like yeah. you know, um, a completely different uh, subject, but uh, you know, movie. But Casablanca, right, is is up there as one of the one of the better movies of of that era, um, and a lot of it is because of of the uh, lines that are said like when I've rewatched it like it's it's a lot of it it's because of the lines that we all know that's come out of it um, and, and I'm using that as, as an example of why people should go and watch Jaws if they haven't they might think they've you know that they have seen it all before but to see where it all began and to and and as we said like it stands up to this mm, day yeah. it's a it's very like, good piece of movie storytelling yeah even if you're not into uh, necessarily and if you're squeamish or Stay away yeah. from that typically. Yeah. But it's just like Nick said, it's the characters and the dialogue that Absolutely. draw you in. Cool. And with that, um, that's us for this kind of special podcast of the Jaws franchise. Keep on listening as we start churning through more of the John Carpenter franchise early years. Um, and uh, that's it for me, Paul. Goodbye. See ya. You're listening. To the Surgeons of Horror Podcast. The Jaws Franchise. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.